Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in this place. And more importantly, we thank you for the work that you're doing in each and every one of us, in this fellowship, those that are hearing this word, those that, even from afar, Lord, are growing through your word, through what you're doing here. We just want to glorify you. We lift up Reg to you. We pray that you would heal him in the name of Jesus, Lord, and that he would be recovered quickly. And we pray for the reading and teaching of your word this evening. We pray, Lord, that you would empower it through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to start off with a running start. Of course, that's a little bit of sarcasm because I want to sit on verse 1 just for a little bit. You guys ready? Let's read verse 1 of chapter 13. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Now, how old is he? Well, we do know that he's a grown man. 40 years, 40 plus earlier when he was with Caleb, remember Joshua and Caleb were one of the spies that went into the promised land originally. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go get those giants. Everyone else said, no, they're too big. We can't do it. And they didn't enter into the land. And then they had a 40 year journey in the desert before they even got to the banks of the Jordan. And so now it's been a certain amount of time since they've been at the Jordan. They've gone into the promised land. They've been fighting these battles. So Joshua, yeah, he's up there in years. And what does it say here? I love how blunt the Lord is. The Lord is very blunt with me and and his relationship with me. He, He just tells me like it is. He says, you are old and advanced in years. Well, that's not very nice, Lord. It's it's okay to be older. I don't know what it is about our society. They, they look down on older people. They say that, you know, it's with the young, it's with the youth. I, I don't know. I think that came from the 60s. You know, when it's the generation, your generation or the, the one before it, if you're a little bit older here, that said don't trust anybody over the age of 25. I say don't trust anybody under the age of 52 now. <laughs> it's, it's not a biblical concept to be looking to the youth. I don't know where that came from. The, the Bible tells us that we are to be respecting and learning our elders and that we're supposed to give them double honor, those that are elders in the faith. And so here, the Lord is just telling him how it is. You're getting older. But notice what else he says here. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. The, the work is not over. There is a lot of land yet to be taken for the Lord. The, the promised land was not just the Western Bank. It was not just the Eastern Bank. If you look at the land that God promised Israel, it is from the Nile River all the way past into Iraq, into the Babylonian era. The, the nation of Israel never even got close to taking the land that God has promised them. Don't worry, Jesus is going to fix that when he returns. So arguing over the nation of Israel should be on the West Bank, the East Bank, the Gaza Strip, that's all nonsense. If we're going to use a purely biblical definition, God gave it all to them. That being said, let's go back to the personal application. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what season of life you're in here. I don't care if you're 13 years old. I don't care if you're 40 years old. If you're 88 years old and you're here, There is more land to take, whether it is in your own heart, in your own mind, if it's in your family, if it's in this fellowship, if it's in the world, if it's in our community. 
if it's in missionary trips to the ends of the earth, whatever the Lord has for us, let's take the ground that God wants us to take. Let's never retreat. Let's never say, well, that season was for yesteryears. I accomplished all I'm going to accomplish. I'm going to sit back now and wait for the Lord to take me home. The Bible has no retirement plan except for you entering into the kingdom of heaven. And guess what you're going to do in the millennial kingdom? Rule and reign with him. That means work, y'all. Even in the millennial kingdom, we got things to do. Now, we're going to rest in him, of course. And so I know Zayden's prayer, his closing prayer, was that the Lord would take our, our dragging hands, you know, our feeble knees and strengthen them. That is a biblical prayer. But he wants to strengthen us and encourage us this evening to say, there's more work to be done. Let's do it. Much land to possess. All right, now let's read verses 2 through 7. This is the land that yet remains. All the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Geshurites from Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron, northward, which is counted as Canaanite. The five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkenonites, the Gittites, the Ekronites, as the Avites, from the south, from the land of the Canaanites and Miria, that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Aphek at to the bar border of the Amorites, the land of the Gibelites, and all Lemadon, toward the sunrise, from Baal God, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon, Hermon as far as the entrance of Hamath. All the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the brook Misphoroth, and all the Sidonians, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel. Only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Verse 7. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So they have not taken this land, and yet God is saying, this is all the land that you are supposed to go and possess. In fact, you're, not, not only are we so sure of it, I want you to go ahead and start picking out the furniture. I want you to start picking out where you're going to put your house and your plot of land. I want you to start envisioning how you're going to have your fields. I want you to divide it amongst your tribes and amongst your families and amongst your clans. This is your land. Now, there are a lot of different people out there with different philosophies. There's people out there that talk about positive affirmations. They talk about you know, naming it and claiming it. They talk about positive visualization. You know, a lot of uh, self-help stuff about how you can be, take your best life and you can accomplish a lot more than you envision. And I'm not going to say there's anything wrong or right about how those things work or if they work and in, in their proper application. I will say this, that if you're completely negative about all that and you even apply it to your spiritual life, where, you know, it just is what it is. What you going to do? Here the Lord is saying, I have given you a promise. I have given you a victory. I have given you a land. You need to go and get it as I have promised you. And there are too many that will sit back and say, well, you know, that's just not me. I'm not capable. I don't have the money, the finances, the training. The number one excuse I hear all time, I don't have the time. You have the same amount of time as every other human being on the planet, 24 hours in a day. 
and what you accomplish with that amount of time is your problem. To say that you're out of time says that you're a bad manager, that you're, you're bad at making decisions with what you do with your life because you're given the same amount of time. You get the same amount of time that Joshua had or Moses had. I want you to think about this. When Jesus walked this world, he had the same amount of time that we do. And Jesus thought that praying was so important that he'd rather stay up all night long and spend time with the Lord. Now, we're not Jesus. We're more like the disciples who could not wait for one hour. Remember that in the Garden of Gethsemane? So let's not try and be something we're not. But at the same time, what spiritual victories does God have for you that you are the one who's not walking in them? But you want to blame the pastor. You want to blame your spouse. You want to blame your, your environment. You want to blame whatever you want to blame. You want to blame your age? Well, tell that to Joshua. What did God just say to Joshua? You are old and well advanced in years, but there is much land yet to be taken. So what is your excuse? Where are you at? Literally, the Lord wants them to divide who's going to take what. And so I go back to what I said earlier. It's not just a positive affirmation. It's not just, you know, psyching yourself out to achieve what you can achieve. If you're counting the promises that God has promised you, then it's not just you making it up. You see, as much as I don't want to just say anything negative about the, the positivity, if you're only using yourself as the source of your power, the problem is that you are the problem, your sin nature. So if you're going to yourself to find the solution, you're going to the very thing that is causing the majority of your problems. But as a Christian and as a follower of God, greater is he that is in us than is in the world. And so it's not just positive affirmation. It's not naming it and claiming it. It's aligning ourselves, our weaknesses, our, our infirmities, and our sinful nature with His divine glory and power, aligning our will with His will. And when you do that, not bending God to my will now, that's name it and claim it. Name it and claim it is saying, well, God's given you all the power in the, in the world, and you just make something happen. You say it, and it's going to happen. That's not biblical. But God's laid out these, uh, these, these, these land and promises to Joshua. And the Lord has, through the word of God, laid out great many promises to us Christians. And it's not just positive affirmations if you say, you know what? The Lord has given me victory over sin, death, and the devil. You know what? The Lord has given me victory over this anxiety. The Lord has given me victory and I can learn the Bible. I can have it written on my heart. I can be used by him to be an evangelist. I can stand up to sin. I can stand up to this society. I can sit up to the peer pressure. Those things are not a problem because Jesus has given me victory in it. In fact, I'm going to start visualizing what it is like to live in the property that God has given me. It starts with your own mind. Victory in the six inches between your ears. That's God's property. He owns that place. Greater is he that is in the you, and yet you allow the enemy, the fiery darts of the wicked one from Ephesians chapter 6, to sit there and, uh, and just accumulate, and you allow it to poison the well, the water. And the Bible tells us clearly what? That we're to hold every thought captive. So just as God has promised to Joshua and the nation of Israel to hold these promises, to take this land, there's a lot of land left to take, start 
with your own mind and take it. Take it back. In the name of Jesus Christ, not in yourself. If you try and do it in yourself, you're going to fail. You're going to fail every time. But if you are going to be obedient to the word of God, the promises of God, what does scripture tell us? The promises of God are yes and amen. Not maybe you almost did it, you could have had it. The promises of God are yes and amen. The important part to be doctrinal, that means to be right, is we conform our nature to the Lord's, not the other way around. We're not trying to bend the Lord to do what we want. We want to die to ourselves, humble ourselves, and we'll have victory in Christ. Here, God's telling Joshua, well, you think you're getting out of this because of your age? There's work to be done. And then now he's starting to list these places, these new battles, new battles ahead of you. We should never be content with our current victories in Christ. Important. We should never be content with our current victories in Christ because there's always more ground to take. Jesus told us, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is worthy of the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? That means that we're to be constantly focused on the work in front of us. Well, let's go get it. Now, just in case we didn't have a hard enough time with some of these ancient Canaanite names, let's read some more together, shall we? Verses 8 through 14. With the other half-tribe, the Reubenites and the Gatites, that received their inheritance, which Moses had given them, beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses the servant of the Lord had given them, from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the town that is in the midst of the ravine, and all the plain of Mediba as far as Debon, all of the cities of Zihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, as far as the border of the children of Ammon, Gilead and the border of the Geshurites and the Machathites, all Mount Hermon, and all of Bashan as far as Salca, and all the kingdom of Og and Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth and Edri, who remained of the remnant of the giants. For Moses had defeated and cast out these. Verse 13, Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Machathites, but the Geshurites and the Machathites dwell among the Israelites to this day. Verse 14, Only to the tribe of Levi he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. Well, I want to go to this verse 13. It's very strange, right? you got this long list of places that need to be taken, and then there's like this side note in there, and it says, well, these two people, they were supposed to, but they weren't driven out. Well, the, the commentary notes this, that David married a princess from Gesher, the Gesherites, and she was the mother of his son Absalom. If you're a Bible study you, student, you'll remember Absalom and the troubles that that caused in that family. Absalom returned to Gesher, and guess what? That's where he used it to plot against his father David in his rebellion. This location. All right, what about the Machathites? The Machathites, who come from Macca, mentioned in Genesis 22, he, excuse me, I'm misreading, I'm not reading this correctly. The Machathites may have come from the Macca mentioned in Genesis 22, they're his descendants, maybe, who was a nephew of Abraham 
later, when Sheba rebelled against David, he fled and took refuge in the cities of the Machathites in 2 Samuel chapter 10. Now that I've read that correctly. So that means that these two locations that they decided not to take that ground were used by the enemy for centuries to come to cause problems with the nation of Israel. This, this is a pastoral warning to you. The areas of sin in your life that you are letting the enemy keep a small foothold are going to come back and haunt you. I, it is a guarantee. The areas where you are struggling in your life right now, and you think that the Lord's just giving you grace, He's just letting it go, don't give the enemy any quarter. You have to take that back. Whatever it is, your anger, um, we talked about anxiety, maybe it's depression, maybe it's a sinful habit, maybe it is the use of alcohol or pharmacia, maybe it is some relationship that you're in that you're not supposed to be in. And you're, you're gaining ground in all these areas. You have all these victories, and you're like, well, I'll just let this go. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It is not okay, and it's going to haunt you. No quarter, take it back. Take it back. Don't let the enemy have a foothold. And I will tell you, the smallest things that you think don't count, the enemy will use it to strangle you. It could be gossip. Seemingly inconsequential. It could be flirting with a person you're not supposed to be flirting with. Seemingly inconsequential. It could be taking a little bit off the top from money, from a salary, from wages, from some accounting, cheating on your taxes. You know, just little things. You're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Everybody does it. That's, that's where sin festers and where the enemy will use that as a, bank, uh, as a base camp to launch more attacks against you and your family. I listened to a, the study at that last men's conference. I remember John Randall when he was saying, you know, sometimes you just need to say it out loud. Is this thought, is this thing, is this action worse? Is it worth the destruction of your ministry, the destruction of your family, the destruction of your marriage? He said, say it out loud. There's power in that. And I go, oh, this is worth the trip right here. I'm ready to go home now, guys. I got it. Because it's so small, even if it's just a thought. What's wrong with just a thought? Guys, you ever been at work and they say, it's okay to look at the menu as long as you don't order. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And you, you say, is this worth the destruction of my marriage, the destruction of my family? Is this worth my kids growing up with another father? No. But it's just a small thing. That's ridiculous. Is that, that beer that you're going to have with your dinner, that one, that one sip of beer, is it that big of a deal? No. So you have three. So you have four and a half. Then you're driving home. Then you get pulled over. You get that $30,000 DUI and lose your license. You lost your job. You lose your reputation. It's over one beer. Listen, don't let the enemy have a stronghold. Verse 13, the enemy will use it to attack you. Say it out loud if you have to. Now then we have verse 14. It's like a completely different change of events, right? Let's read verse 14 one more time. Only to the tribe of Levi, he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. 
You know, every time I teach the Bible and every time I study, the Lord has a message for me and then he has a message for you. So there's always a prophetic word. The Lord will put on you, you know, what uh, as I'm praying and I'm reading, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, what the Lord wants to share with the fellowship. But then I also know when the Lord is speaking to me personally. And so this is one of those verses I just want to share with you. A part of that process, he speaks directly to me. Because the temptation is, I can take ground in business. I, I can take ground financially. You know, I've learned a lot of things. Uh, there's a, a big shortage in the people that are in my career right now. I'm really young in that field. The majority of people in that field are very old. They're all retiring. And I can take a tremendous amount of ground. And the temptation is, well, maybe I can do both. Maybe I can keep doing both. You know, I could be pretty successful doing that. And the Lord shares with me, as he speaks to me, well, what do you want? I could choose. The Lord has given me a spirit of liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I can, I can choose. But then the Lord puts on my heart, what do you want? I'll tell you what I want. I want the sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire as an inheritance. I want not to just take ground and be financially well off or to have these accolades in business or to be known as a successful businessman. I want our time of worship together, the reading, teaching of God's word, planting churches, missionaries across the world. You know, the preaching and teaching of God's word. That's what I want, Lord. I want that. Well, well, okay, Lord. Yeah, but I want them to talk, take ground. I don't want to take ground, Lord. I, I want you to give me the land. And so the Lord, you know, he, he convicts us and he teaches us and he speaks to us. And then we have to apply it. And then we have to do it. And we have to make steps of faith. And that's the fun part not the fearful part. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 15 through 23. Don't worry, he's not done with the Levites yet. We're going to be at more of that later. Verse 15, and, and Moses had given to the tribe of the children of Reuben an inheritance according to their families. Their territory was from Eror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the city that is in the midst of the ravine and all the plain by Mendeba, Heshbon and all its cities that are in the plain, Debon, Bamoth, Baal, Beth Baal, Maon, Jehazah, Kedemoth, Mephath, Kirjareth, Kirjatheum, Sibma, Sereth Shaar, on the mountain of the valley, Beth Beor, the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jishamoth, and all the cities of the plain, and all the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses had struck with the princes of Midian, Eva, Rechem, Zur, Ur, and Reba, who were princes of Sihon, dwelling in that country, in the country. The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Beor. You guys remember him? The soothsayer among those who were killed by them. Good riddance. And the border of the children of Reuben was the bank of the Jordan. This was the inheritance of the children of Reuben, according to their families, the cities of their villages. Rest assured, if I've insulted any one of those cultures by butchering their names or their kings, they're all gone anyway. It's okay. They're not around. But notice that this inheritance has come over a certain amount of time. And it's to be given to their descendants. The inheritance of the children of Reuben according to their families. What inheritance do you have for your kids? 
Oh, did you put away a land trust? Did you put away a 401k? Do your kids hate you now? <laughs> Do you have nothing to give them? None of that matters. None of that matters. You, who lives in that land now that we're talking about? Who, who are the Reubenites? Where are they at? We don't know the genealogies of the nation of Israel anymore. Not since 72 AD, 70 AD when Titus Vespasian destroyed the temple. All those records were burnt up. In fact, the only genealogical records we have are in the Bible proving that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and how there cannot be another Messiah because they can't prove his records. So what inheritance are we really looking for? A relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. And if you don't have that and you feel guilty about it, there's still time. As, Chuck, as Pastor Chuck used to say, until the saddle hits the ground, there's still time for repentance and for a work. And we can invest in other people. We can have spiritual children. The most important men in my life were not my family members. They were my pastor, my brothers in the Lord that discipled me and taught me and did life with me. They called me out. They encouraged me. And you can have the same thing in your life. You, maybe you retired here and you're just hiding from your family. Maybe you retired here, you got saved. And, you don't, and you're just starting out with the Lord. You're like, man, I, I wish I could have all that time back. Well, you can't. And you're old and you're advanced in years. But the Lord don't care because there is more land to be taken. There is more work to be done. There's more people to preach the gospel to. There's more time in the Lord. Our inheritance should be in his presence anyway because we have a future hope. It's not just a past hope. We have a future hope for what he's going to do. Give it to the Lord. Just give it to God. And let's read verses 24 through 33. We can go back to the Levites here in a few. Moses had given an inheritance to the tribe of Gad, to, their, to the children of Gad, according to their families. Their territory was Jazer and all the cities of Gilead and the half the land of the Ammonites as far as Aror, which is before Rabbah, and from Heshbon and Ramath Mizpah and Betanim, and from Menahim to the border of Debir and in the valley of Beth Haram, Beth Nimrah, Succoth, and Zaphon, the rest of the kingdom of Zihon, king of Heshbon, with the Jordan as its border as far as the edge of the Sea of Chinnereth, on the other side of the Jordan eastward. This is the inheritance of the children of Gad, according to their families, the, the cities and their villages. Moses had given an inheritance to the half the tribe of Manasseh, for it was the half the tribe of the children of Manasseh, according to their families, their territory was from Manaheim, all Bashan, all the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, and all the towns of Jair, which are in Bashan, 60 cities. Half of Gilead and Ashtaroth and Edri, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan, were for the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, for half the children of Machir, according to their families. These are the areas which Moses had distributed as an inheritance in the plains of Moab on the other sides of the Jordan by Jericho eastward. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he had said. So who gained the most? Out of all these tribes, who gets the most? The one who gets God, to meet the Levites who get to serve and worship the Lord. That is their only job. But this is what I also realized. The Levites 
How do they eat? Like, how do they get their money? How do they support themselves? It's off the offerings to God. They would get a portion. And so we see that only as the nation of Israel as a whole, that as you work and as you serve, the Lord is using your first fruits. He's using your job that you hate, your manager that you can't stand, the one that's blaspheming God all day. Well, little does he know the money that is being poured out is being used for the kingdom of God. It's all being redeemed. I, I had that realization when I was working for the government and I was there at Vandenberg and I was evangelizing in work. You can't do that in the federal government. In fact, they made me take a CBT, a computer-based training, to teach about when you can and cannot evangelize for the federal government. I go, this is, a, this is annoying. And so, yes, there were particular rules, and I followed them because you have to be obedient to the authorities. But then the Lord spoke to me. You know, he showed me. That entire paycheck from the federal government, not just for me, but for every believer and every Christian, was being used to redeem by God. You know, we're tithing to our local fellowship. We are using those resources. We're giving it back to God, and God is using them. And so the Levites are being supported by that, and that worship is going to the Lord. And so, yes, the federal government, whether they like it or not, is supporting Christian works all across the planet through the lives of the saints. The Lord is using, he's redeeming your job, your retirement, your place, your business, your investments, and he's using it for his glory, and he's going to support people that are going to be spending their time to reading and praying like it says in the book of Acts. All of our inheritance should be in the Lord Jesus. But we also need to be obedient to his call, not always thinking of what the other people are doing and how the other pastor or mom or dad or business person or retired person, how the rich people do it, how the poor people do it, not always so focused on what everyone else is doing, but redeeming the time and the place that God has given us. Because remember, even when Joshua was old and advanced in years, there's more land to take. There's more victories in Christ. The battle hasn't even started yet. And some of you think you're at the finish line. Greater things are yet to come. Now we're going to see in these next two chapters, the Levites and the city of refuge, we're going to see their inheritance. They get no land. They get nothing, and yet they get everything. And remember, how did the Levites as a tribe get this call? All the way back before the 40 years in the desert. All the way back when Aaron, that high priest, made that idol and they were worshiping a false god. Moses drew a line in the sand. You guys remember that? He drew a line in the sand. Who's for God? And the Levites answered the call. Here we are. Are you for the Lord? When the line in the sand is drawn, are you following him? Are you taking ground? Are you walking in the promises that he's given him? Or are you going to sit on your rear and keep praying that the Lord just hands you the victories he's promised you? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. The emphasis is on walk. We need to move. We need to walk with the Lord. We need to be obedient to his call. We need to be reading and praying and fellowshipping and filled with the Holy Spirit. We need His Word written on our hearts. We need His Spirit moving in us. And there's no greater way to have a revival or a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit than to share the gospel with somebody else. Share what God is doing in you. 
Share your hope that you have to any who will listen and watch great things happen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that these victories are your victories. This, this, it's all you, your truth, your work, your spirit, Lord. And we pray that you would lead us in prayer this evening. And we thank you that greater things are yet to come. We are not defeated or knocked down, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, Lord. And as you told us in the Gospels, we want to put our hands to the plow and look forward. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us, regardless of where we're at, that we be obedient to you and we grow in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.